Hello. Oh, hi, Merlin. How are you? Oh, oh, hi, Dan. How are you? Rabbit, rabbit. Rabbit, rabbit. Now, I have a question. Yes, you there. Is that supposed to be the first words that you say on the first of the month, or do you just have to say them sometime during the course of the first day of the month? Uh, this is a good question. Uh, and it's something that I have um, wondered about the specifics, right? Because yeah. the thing is, if you're, if you're going to have a superstition, it's beneficial for it to be very rigid. <laughs> well, like, you get understand it, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, for, oh, God, I'm sorry. Pre-PC, pre-PC, say something, please. Hi, Hello? how are you doing today? I'm terrible, I can't hear anything. Okay, okay, um, okay, so superstitions, those kinds of things, I think the specificity is important, so I, I also have wondered this. Now, I'll make this quick, you hope. So, so first of all, there's things you're supposed to do. You know, like you throw salt over your shoulder, that kind of thing. I, 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 I think probably Heather Champ, I first heard this uh, from her. She would always, first of every month, she'd say rabbit, rabbit. And, mm -hmm. and everybody's like, what, what's that for? I don't know if it's Canadian, probably Canadian thing. But she said, it means uh, you're going to have good luck for the month if the first thing you say is rabbit, rabbit. Now, what are the rules? Well, like the holidays, well, you know, Christmas, the real, the real holiday. Mm -hmm. As with the holidays, it's the specificity of the tradition that makes it important. The existence... You know, or existence. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to sound like I'm German. Yeah. Um, the existence of it is important, but then the specificity, I think it's a, it could be a personal rule. It could be a household rule. Mm -hmm. And plus, if you're being generous, I think if, if you, even if you do, um, you know, a strict uh, HTML with this, uh, you know, I think you could still, you know, give somebody a gimme, get, let them have a transitional where you say, okay, well, if you say it before noon or whatever. Right. But there's a spectrum, as you say. So I think saying it on December 2nd, unless you've had a medical condition, I don't think that should count. And I think you should have terrible luck. I'm kidding. Yeah, you would never. Do you say it at your house? No. You say rabbit rabbit? I say it alone. But I mean, so technically, you, you if say I, it or you think it, Dan. If I remember... Then I am saying it at my house, but I'm not saying it to anyone except myself. And if a tree mm. falls in the woods, you're not really saying. Yeah, it. if a frog wouldn't bump his ass a hopping. But I mean, <laughs> is that really saying it then? Yes. 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 I think you should. I think you should. Um, I think you should. Pull your family into saying it. I. Because then don't... you become like then you become like a Voltron of luck. <laughs> Voltron of luck. <laughs> is Voltron the one that's a robot lion? Uh, well, there are different Voltrons, but the first one was the made up of uh, lions. There were oh, okay. Uh, is it Voltron Prime? Voltron Leo Prime in the Latin. There are five lions. One. Uh, <laughs> there are five. <laughs> five lions. There are five uh, Captain lions. Picard. Like, if you want to leave Trek here, reference. If you, you. want to leave here, Captain, you're going to have to tell me how many lions. There I are. like this. So there's one. Uh -huh. uh, two of them form the feet and legs. Two forms the arm and body, and all form the head type thing. Who makes the torso? It's part of the. It's just part of it. It's the black lion. It's, oh boy. Okay, Calm we've been making a lot of Lego lately, Calm so I mean, down. I'm thinking a lot about body parts, you know. Well, so what was the title? Volt a Voltron of Luck? Is that what Actually, let's see, Voltron of Luck. It's good. And so, what, I think I, I, I botched the reference a little bit with the Crab Face Man. You know that Crab Face Man? He's the guy from The Omen. Did you know that? Is he? Uh, his name is uh, Kim Calrissian. I think his name is um, that one guy that tortures uh, 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 Captain uh, Captain Luke. Yeah, did you know actor. that? Yeah, I know the actor. You know what I mean? He's no. the guy from The Omen. I think it's David. Uh, oh, the, oh, yes. David. David. 
David Wu. 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 David Wu. He's the guy who shoots his gun sideways at Nicolas Cage. That's mm-hmm. it. They call him the Hong Kong Kardashian. Hong Kong Fui. Yeah, number one super guy. He's quicker than the human eye. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Scat. Now, you know, you know what would be a great gift for somebody for Christmas would be the Hong Kong Book of Kung Fu. Hmm. Slightly, slightly racist. Um. Also, I watched the Taking of Pelham one, two, three last night. One of my favorite movies. Um. The nineteen seventy four one, and, and that's got a little bit of racism in it. But that yeah. movie is good. Really? It's just oh god, it's just chock a block with middle aged seventies men, mostly from New York. I mean, that's, that's I mean, Jerry sign, Stiller. Jerry Stiller. Oh Jesus, uh, Jerry Stiller. Well, it stars Walter Matthau, Jerry Stiller, Robert Shaw, who is English. Uh, Hector Elizondo from, uh, from, I want to say Sesame Street. Uh, you also got, oh, Martin Balsam. Oh, career making role for Martin Balsam. Take him, uh, Pelham 123, 1974. Check it out. Hong Kong, Book of uh, Kung Fu, Hanna-Barbera, right? Uh-huh. Anything else we're missing? Now, no, there was actually, what, how many lights were there really? It was, he's, there were four lights and he's supposed to say five lights. Was that it? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Anyway, Christmas is coming, uh, and there's mm-hmm. rabbits. Rabbit, rabbit. Uh, That's but you know, to say. it's funny. It's interesting because um, for the Dude by Friday program this week, um, we're going to be talking about Christmas. Alexandra and I will be talking about Christmas things. So I actually am. Th- How can I put this? I'm thinking for uh, Dan. I'm mm-hmm. unprepared. I'm I'm really tired. My, my we have had a crazy week already. Uh, lots happening, and uh, so I'm a little out of it. But you know, what'd be fun to talk about is uh, well, how do I phrase it? Things like Rabbit Rabbit and Christmas in these in these times of cholera. Like what it's like to try and do the things that you think of as being the things we look forward to, the cyclical things, the milestone things. I've been thinking about that. Yeah, you can't do any of them. That's the answer. I suppose that was plausible in March. Well, I'll, I'll save it for the show. I'm going to save it for the show. But anyway, um, you know, these traditions and things can be nice. The holidays are coming. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're close. Where it's the end of it's the end Faster of uh, the than month. anyone would like. It's the end of the, the month. Holidays are almost, coming. Uh, almost. Yeah, man, it's crazy, and like it's just it's so weird how we're now coming up on one year of COVID existing. Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day. Like it, it really has been this whole time. It's crazy how long we've been dealing with this. When you really think about it, absolutely, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely crazy. Um, and, you know, we you know we haven't talked about these things, and I don't want to be morose about it, but I, I think, I don't know, I still think it's valuable to unpack some of the personal, um, cultural, societal things that are shifting. Some things we notice, some things we don't. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, building all these, <laughs> once started out as tables, became parklets, and now everybody has an outdoor restaurant. Like, we'd, how, we would not have seen that a year ago. No way. That's no way. Interesting. I still remember, and they do South by Southwest in... Um, what is it? March? March. Mm-hmm. And I March rem- was crazy because everything was going to be on until it suddenly wasn't. Right. And, and, and I remember when they canceled South by the reaction was like, that's right. the most stupid, crazy thing I've ever heard. This is over. And now you look back and you're like, why didn't they cancel it sooner? Oh, and, absolutely. You Unless know? you're one of the folks who thinks it's all made up, in which right, case. Right. And I guess there's like celebrities and stuff. You keep hearing about like, who was it? Van Morrison. <laughs> Van Morrison was doing um, like an anti-European, like Irish lockdown song. Oh, really? And then who was the other one? Somebody, 
actually cool and good is also oh Eric Clapton. What did he say? Eric Clapton's. Oh, I think he's on in on it now too. I think he's one of the nuts. Hmm. Doesn't that break your heart? Yeah. He used to be God. The slow hand. They call him. They call him the slow hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, what if God was one of us? <laughs> Just a COVID skeptic, like one of us. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so true. I don't know. Just thinking about stuff. The rabbits. Uh, so Alex sent me a animated uh, 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 GIF or GIF, as you say, uh, of two rabbits this morning. It's really cute. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to yeah, you. Yeah, send it over. Yeah, I don't. You know, I like to credit. You know, we're due. Why don't we talk about some of these things? I don't know what it is we're going to talk about yet. I'm going to save it for the show. Yeah. But uh, why don't you tell me about uh, something you like? Is that okay? Yeah. I mean, I can do that. I can do that anytime. I don't even need a reason. Okay. Let, me, let me tell okay. you about LinkedIn Talent do that Solutions. To the gophers. Hmm? Say it yeah. again. What's the name of it? LinkedIn Talent Solutions. LinkedIn Talent. And, and between, is LinkedIn, is that camel case or is that two words, Dan? I do, the, I do one word, capital L, uh-huh. capital I in the in, not not a capital L, capital I, but capital I L linked, okay. and then in gets the capital. Uh, okay, dromedary. Okay. <clears throat> Dan, Dan, why don't you tell me about something you like? I'd like to tell you about LinkedIn Town Solutions, Merlin. LinkedIn Town Solutions? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, got, you got your snowmen. Mm-hmm. You got your mm-hmm. ugly sweaters. And these yeah. are things that are kind of standard for every holiday, like Christmas time. You, you, get, you get those every year, but and, and those are the things that will never change, but... There are lots of things changing around us. We were just talking about the COVID and how weird the world is right now. So when your small business, like mine, needs to ramp mm-hmm. up for the new year, you've got to find the right people. You want to find them quickly. And you, you don't want to waste time with candidates that have no business applying for the job. And that right now, it is there are so many people looking for a job. You want to get to where those people are. LinkedIn Jobs is here, and they're here to help. They match your open roles with qualified candidates, and that means you can find the right person for your business fast. Uh, and really, I have spent time using this system because I'm in a situation now where I'm starting to look for somebody. And of course, I'm going to be using LinkedIn because there are more than 722 million members worldwide. Getting started is super easy. There are tons of new features that help you find qualified candidates very quickly. And that's the point is quickly. You post a job, you get targeted screening questions, and they will quickly help you get your role in front of the most qualified candidates. It lets you manage your job posts and contact the candidates from one view right on LinkedIn.com. The functions are streamlined into one screen. There's not 20 different steps or 10 different places to go. You can do this all now from your mobile device. So... You know, you can get an alert on your phone and see the new candidate. Like, it's really cool. They've really thought of everything. And that's basically the way that LinkedIn Jobs is helping you hire the right person faster. So when your business is ready to make that next hire, you will be able to find the person that you're looking for with LinkedIn Jobs. Here's the cool thing. You pay what you want. You're going to get the first 50 bucks off. Okay, so to learn more about this, go to linkedin.com slash back to work. You'll get 50 bucks off your first job post. They want me to say that terms and conditions apply. So you can go find out what those are. But that's the deal. And that's the deal for our just for our listeners. LinkedIn.com slash back to work at 50 bucks off your first job post. And uh, it's a really good service and it really, really does work. So uh, thanks very much to LinkedIn for making this show possible. Thanks, LinkedIn. Buck, buck. Hmm. Hmm. How you doing? I'm all right. I can't complain. Mm. See those rabbits? Isn't that cute? 
Oh yeah, let me. I sent you a picture in your text. Look, look at the one on the left is falling down. It falls over. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Now, are those are those babies or are they? She didn't full say. Grown? They didn't say. I just got a uh, you know got a got an image. Leave it to me to unpack what it all means. Mm-hmm. It seems like some kind of like a, a Chinese proverb. You know that Chinese pro- proverb is actually French. Did you know that? Uh, if you chase two rabbits, da da da. That one. I am, it's originally what, French. I don't know that proverb. Oh, sorry. Let, let me uh, <clears throat> let me pull it up here in my uh, in my quotes file. Let's go back to Merlin's quotes file. Yeah, well, I got a new quote up. to tell you about. Okay. I'm ready. Um, let's see, James Baldwin. <clears throat> uh, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, if you chase two rabbits, you will lose them both. I think that's very valuable advice, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. if it's given in French. You know what I'm saying, Dan? If you chase two rabbits, you'll lose them both. Now, why is that? I'm assuming it would be because one rabbit is difficult enough to get, but you have mm-hmm. a chance of getting it. But the way that they're they're going to zig, they're going to zag. Mm-hmm. They're going to go. Zag. One goes one way, one goes the other way. Yeah. So and here there are two, and now there are two. <laughs> I think it just yes. makes it too difficult. Isn't that the idea that you you have to focus on? You have to keep your eye on the prize. You get to focus. I on think one yes. Thing. The prize the prize needs your eyes. There's no eye and eye drops. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What I what I would say is it very specifically means. If you want to catch a rabbit, focus on catching one rabbit. Yeah. Stop trying to. It's just. It's such a brilliant. I mean, it's. If you've ever tried to catch something that moves, like like a rabbit or a child, it's hard. And I think it's really valuable. You know, because um, you know what's weird pick a is, lane. That, is that animals don't want to get caught. Why is that? That's true. They don't want it. Like you think, let's let me catch you. I just want to hold you and maybe maybe eat you. And then they're like, no, right? I don't want that. I go give you little scritches, and then I would eat you. You know that, like, you right. know what they call it when, when, have you ever had, I know you have a cat now, right? Mm-hmm. Do you, when you yes. play, when you play with the cat, does mm-hmm. it ever, rough, do you ever rough house with the cat a little? Uh, n- not much, not this cat. I like when they, but ra- I, I've, they I've rough house with, with their, a, I, their back claws, yeah. they kind of rake them down like that when they're uh-huh. playing. That's my favorite. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I, um, well, generally <clears throat> I do this last night. I do this most nights when I go to bed, I pick up the cat. And I cradle it my left arm, and I bring it into bed with me, and and then we we have uh, we have affectionate times, and I give it lots of scratches, and then eventually it bites me because that's what cats do. You know, I've I, what happens is you pet a cat, you pet a cat, it gets too com- if it's when it's so it gets comfortable, it gets happy, it receives the love, it's the recipient of love, like that song from Hedwig, right? And so the cat is happy, the owl. But the problem is, then the cat becomes aware that it's more vulnerable than it would prefer. And that's when you get scratched or bitten, I think. But roughhousing with an animal can be fun. <clears throat> Why do they want to get away? I guess maybe <clears throat> they like to preserve their freedom or they don't want to get eaten. But that's a, that's, that's a good proverb, you know. Oh, yeah, so my new one, <clears throat> which I was going to try to work into Roderick on the Line yesterday, but I didn't find a place. You know, I'm obsessed with these, uh, these uh, media properties about the British uh, family in the... 60s, 70s, uh, 80s. Yes, yes. Like a lot of America, I've gone crazy for the crown. But also the queen, and to a lesser extent, the Iron Lady. Um, where where uh, Meryl Streep is a, gives a great performance, but you know, there's only so much sympathetic framing of Margaret Thatcher I can tolerate. <laughs> so where did I put this? It's somewhere in here. I'm clicking. And uh, so there's a scene in The Iron Lady... <clears throat> Not to spoil it for you, but the the framing of the movie, which is very Oscar Beatty, um, Oscar Bation, they call it. Oh, I see. 
is that um, is that Margaret Thatcher, played by the wonderful Meryl Streep, has now you know left office. This is years later, and uh, she's got pr- pretty terrible like progressing dementia. Mm-hmm. What I imagine is you know I, I'm pretty sure it's Alzheimer's, but anyway. Um, and so there's all kinds of bad stuff, but, and then like, so, so of course it's got, it's a classic Oscar Beatty, Oscar Beatty framing device of like, oh, I see this framed photo from the seventies. It takes me back. And then we think about that when that thing happened. Um, but, um, the, she's visiting with the, her physician and the physician is, you know, throwing some shapes to basically say, Hey, look, you know, we gotta, we gotta deal with what's going on here. And she's saying, oh no, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> But she says this thing, and, I, and I, I went and I looked it up to get the quote right. Um, watch your thoughts. Okay, now I'm going to warn you. This is some seriously like Wu-Tang, Napoleon Hill shit, right? So I realize this sounds really corny, yeah. but I think it's good. So hear me out. Watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become your character. And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. What mm. we think we become. Now, that's very Napoleon Hill. I get that. But it, it's kind of sensible. Thoughts become words. You know, like I'm always saying, you know me, uh, I'm always saying, you know, when we talk about a change in our life, it changes the way that we think, the way that we are, it changes our cognition, the way we see. Uh, it changes the way we decide. It changes the way we do. It changes the way we improve. Like there's all this in the stack of like trying to, as John Syracuse says, back solve to figure out what your damage is. Mm-hmm. Like that's an interesting uh, stack to trace, you know? Yes. You, you what, what have you become? Well, you became what you thought. Uh, How did you become, you know, what you thought? Well, it's because of your character. Your character is formed by your habits. Your habits are formed by your actions. Your actions are formed by your words and your words are formed by your thoughts. So, like, the way what you've become started with the way that you think. I think that's a very interesting idea. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's interesting because if you've ever read, like, the books like The Secret or Law of Attraction or things like that, or if you've paid any attention, and I know you have, to uh, a lot of the things the Buddha talks about, one of uh-huh. the things that, uh, that he said is that your thinking process becomes it starts out like a tiny little stream and the more you think about things the more you think about them a certain way uh the the, eventually over time that kind of carves out a channel if you will and eventually that channel becomes very very deep Mm -hmm. until it's basically he didn't use this expression but it becomes the grand canyon right and what happens later is you, trying, yeah you've basically you've basically carved some kind of a pathway in your it literally it's going to be hard for your wagon wheel to get out of that rut that's right and 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 scientists have also shown that this is one of the ways that it's 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 so challenging to change the way that people think about things the way that we think about things is actually reinforced by the fact that we've been thinking it over and over again so every time you have a thought or a kind of thinking, you're reinforcing future thinking in that way. So in order to to change Mm -hmm. your thinking, you need to start practicing a different kind of thinking. And this is why meditation works, is you're basically- And cognitive behavioral therapy. It's exactly what it is. And Mm -hmm. and the the thing that's that's interesting- You're trying to to break that cycle. It's like, I I never know if these kinds of models are too clever by a half, but you know, this this is a classic sort of cyclical model that we're- talking about in all of these cases, which is 
<clears throat> yeah, yeah, there's this, yeah, there's that, yeah, there's a spectrum, but like, what if that spectrum wrapped around? And like, what if it, what if it turned out that we were like unintentionally rehearsing something that we had not realized became, I think the critical part of that chain personally is the habit part. Because the habit part forms before you realize it. Yes. And that's that's basically <clears throat> the lead contractor for your pathway project. Because the habit part is going to be the, if you like, the unseen hand <laughs> that's going to guide you into thinking, oh, you responded to this thing negatively, so that's going to change the way you do. But to change the way you do, you got to change the way you think. You hate thinking that thought. You don't, you don't like what you've become. And that's no fun. And it's a cycle. And it's going to go around and around and around. And it rarely gets better unless you find a way to hit escape and get out of it. One of the things that they emphasize is really important, especially in the uh, cognitive-based therapy, CBT stuff, is that you can't just unthink. You can't just stop thinking a certain thing. You need to replace it with something else. So when you are, let, let's, let's say you bite your nails, a pretty common one, right? Well, they might say that um, you just need to not do that, just stop doing that. But you can't just stop doing that. You can't just stop biting your nails. You need to instead replace that the thing you, you need to replace that with some other kind of thought or some other kind of feeling or some other kind of sensation so that you no longer have the association in your mind with whatever, I don't know, is that a dopamine hit or whatever you get from biting your nails? So they might say, well, put a rubber band around mm -hmm. your wrist and snap the rubber band every time you catch yourself biting your nails and uh, your unconscious or subconscious mind will start to yeah. make an association between biting your nails and, and a little sting of pain. And unless you're into pain, which most people aren't, you will stop doing mm -hmm. it eventually. And the same thing works yeah. for OCD and checking doors or whatever. But even even more to the point, if you're having thoughts that uh, create anxiety or make you feel depressed or sad or, you know, thoughts that are for whatever reason not beneficial, then you need to replace those thoughts with what they typically will call affirmations. So you could say, oh, I'm not even going to try it because if I try it, I'm just going to fail. You know, you might ask yourself, well, what if the opposite is true? You know, or, but you have to say, you have to replace those thoughts with something that's believable, right? You can't just come back and say. But also, <clears throat> I like what you're saying though, Dan, because I want to say affirmative. I mean, <clears throat> like a, it, you can't replace something with nothing. Right. Like for example, when I'm using my podcasting, my beloved podcasting app, Descript, Mm. If I want to put a put in a cut, and because of the nature of the way this thing works, to put in a cut and then like be able to drop in an ad or similar or a, uh, a, a sound cue or something like that, like I can't just. There has to be. I have to basically insert blank space in order to accommodate the new thing. If I just drop it there, it's going to be right on top of the other thing, and it's right. just going to be more noise. That's right. a dumb analogy, but like to say like, well, <clears throat> just. It's the classic sort of advice you get from somebody who's trying to help you with a problem they've never had, you know, never understood, let alone had. So you say, well, you know, I, I can't stop smoking. Oh, well, why don't you bite your fingers? Well, I don't want to bite my fingers. Well, then why don't you stop doing all of that? And you're like, well, okay. But like, you know, think again, think about something like, well, I don't like the way I feel like I'm gaining weight and this food is making me logy. Like, well, then why don't you quit eating? Like, well, that's not really the solution. I need to replace that not simply with different food, but with a different way of thinking about food, with a right. different way, whatever that is for you. But I think that's important. I think that's part of the infrastructure that leads to possible success is like having a plan for what something is, not simply what you wish it weren't. I like that. 
but you do need a plan and you need an approach and you need to consi- you need to be consistent about it. And so one of the things that they talk about, like, and the reason why meditation works, especially mindfulness meditation is because what you're doing really is you're learning to pay attention to your thoughts. You're learning to realize, oh, I've been, you know, basically browbeating myself about this thing and I didn't even realize I was thinking that or I've been cultivating this attitude of failure or negativity mm-hmm. or sadness or whatever it is be through my thoughts because you will you will continue to think about things the way that you are thinking about them unless you intervene unless you redirect your thoughts and the first step in redirecting your thoughts is uh, becoming aware of them and then being honest with yourself about them. We like to lie to ourselves a lot. We like to say, oh, I'm not really doing that. That's not really. Well, it doesn't. you don't have to be honest with everyone about everything, but you have to be honest with yourself. Right. You have to be able to talk to yourself and say, yes, I, I am doing this thing that might not be the best thing, and I, I shouldn't do it anymore. You know, if you can admit to yourself a mistake that you've made or a, or a thing that you've done. But or without whatever. catastrophizing it. Yes, that's you know, so that's important. The, that's the problem. Um, gosh, I have so much to say about this. Say it. Because, you know, well, you know, it's it's that um, <clears throat> when you're in a, I, I don't love using words like positive and negative because they're not only ambiguous, but they're a little extreme for what I'm trying to get at with subtlety. Mm-hmm. So well, I'll just say this. If you find yourself... If, if you eventually realize you're in some kind of a pattern that's not beneficial to you or others, it's not wholesome, like you will realize in retrospect, oh, here's where I can see, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I look back and in retrospect, I know like this is where I should have started doing things differently. But that's very difficult to know. I mean, <laughs> because when you're living in it, you know, it's kind of a this is water situation. But this is also why this is going to be very subtle. Uh... This is why I, that is that phrase is very meaningful to me when we talk about rehearsing failure, because I think that really very much gets us into this idea of this cycle. And, and you know, it's the kind of cycle where you don't know you're in it while, whilst you're in it most of the time, you may be huffing the emotional effluvium of your cycle not going great, but, you know, unless you're manic or on, uh, on, on meth, we very, we're very rarely... <laughs> It would be pretty wild for most of us to spend more than a little while super aware of the pattern of something getting better and better because of our cognition. That's some serious cocaine talk right there. But here's, here, here's also what makes this difficult, where the false equivalency comes in, is we try and apply the, the values and, oh God, I almost said learnings, the things that we have learned from our past experiences, and we try to apply them, I think, in sometimes unwholesome ways. So, and th- so my, my point here is it does take... It takes awareness and, as you say, mindfulness to realize that you, you're in sort of a negative thinking pattern or or a negative doing pattern. Mm. But somehow or other, <laughs> your your <laughs> your your feedback loop is not wholesome. And so that could be. Let me let me let me just clarify so we can get to this the bigger point. Well, you know, I uh, why do I even bother? It's, it's a bad time to even talk about like uh, like our friends from uh, you know from the LinkedIn talking about getting a job, right? Like, oh, uh, your whole life, maybe you feel like, oh, I've never really had the job that I deserve. Or I've never really had, when you're younger, you tend to think like, oh, I deserve a better job. You maybe get a little older, you're like, God, I really want a better job. Or like, God, I wish I'd prepared for a better job. But there's somewhere in that pattern, there's something very valuable from noticing an error or a miscalculation and then making a correction, right? That's, 
that's real grown-up stuff. That's some real Ted Lasso kind of stuff. Like, let's focus on improving the skills. You, you know, some days you have to have leg day. I know you don't like leg day, but sometimes you have to have leg day. Otherwise, you look like somebody in like a Bullwinkle cartoon. You're just going to be all top. And so, I mean, that's valuable. If you can learn something from your quote-unquote failures. But here's the difficulty. So can you rehearse success? Well, again, if you're Alfred Molina in Boogie Nights, you can have all kinds of rehearsal for success. <laughs> and you can listen to Sister Christian and shoot guns in the air. While your Chinese friend throws firecrackers, right? (laughs) You can't really rehearse success, though. Why? What's the distinction? Failure failure is a habit, and success is a novelty. And and this is just a thought that just just came off the dome, rabbit, rabbit. But, like, the problem with what we perceive of as failure or negative feelings are that, like, oh, what's the phrase? Oh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Here I go again. I'm having the bad feeling. I'm having the bad thought. I've done the bad thing. I don't like this cycle. But you still unintentionally rehearse that. You reify that. You strengthen all the little fibers that have created that particular habit of thinking. Well, can we apply that to success? Can we suddenly just invert it and say like, oh, now I've decided I'm going to start rehearsing success rather than failure? Maybe, maybe, but here's the problem. Most of us haven't had as much perceived success as we've had perceived failure is my opinion. Now, we could differ in that. But you can't, you can't just invert that. That's the false equivalency. You just can't invert that thinking pattern and think that will make you successful because that's not how life works. Failure or non-success is a law of gravity. That's, that's kind of the default resting state of life mm-hmm. is this thing didn't go great. And that makes success a novelty. And, and so what does that mean? Well, it means that one part of what makes success successful Success, success, success. <laughs> I'm getting the, um, what's it called? Semantic uh, satiation. Success, in some ways, is going to be something new. Mm-hmm. Not new new in the, in the snarky sense of you never succeed, but in the sense of, well, if, you're, if, you're, if you find yourself elevated to something, if you find yourself rising to a challenge that you've never ha- had before, obviously you never succeeded at before, but you never had before, and you find yourself being able to succeed at that, to master that, what is that? That's a novelty. Mm-hmm. That's really exciting. Another way to look at this is that if your quote unquote, your habit of positive thinking or your positive doing or all of those things, if that, if that, the place that that leads you, if you're doing it really super often, must be novel. Otherwise, it wouldn't be success. That, although if you're doing the same thing all the time, you're getting by, which is fine. And I, you know, I'm not saying you have to become an urban achiever, but <laughs> I do think that like, Sometimes we learn the wrong thing, and sometimes we we derive the wrong lesson of something. And and as much as one hates to admit it, there is a certain comfort, you know, OCD. Could you ever call OCD comfort? Not mm, really. Not really. But, but you sure know which. Well, you sure know what you're going to end up doing because it's what you always do. I mean, how do you, how do you get out of that? In that case, success means not doing something, mm-hmm. mm, you know, rather than doing something. I don't know if this is making any sense. I just. I do, I do feel like it, there, and so I, what am I referring to here? Uh, Napoleon Hill, I think it's called As a Man Thinketh, something like that. But there's this book that, you know, it's one of those books in some, I'm not saying it's like Dale Carnegie, but it's one of those tentpole sort of books in the nascent, what became self-help industry. So like Napoleon Hill was really all about making that, uh, printing that paper, like really, you know, big bucks. Uh, somebody like... Um, what's his name, Norman Vincent Peale, the Trump family's minister. He's all about positive thinking, the power of positive thinking. 
uh, as you say, a manifest, manifestation of this today could be something like this, like uh, literally a manifestation would be the secret. Um, what was the other example? Oh, yeah, like Dale Carnegie. And just this kind of this idea about how to, it's basically uh, the seduction community, tips from the seduction community for men in business, right? Where you're supposed to oh, learn somebody's name. It's the most beautiful word in the English language to them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things involve the insertion of some real or perceived or uh, costume version of positiveness. I always think of it as that kind of manic, like, <laughs> everything's going great, positive thinking. <laughs> Keep the demon dogs at bay. <laughs> right. Right? But those all have had a huge impact on not just this kind of self-help industry, but having come much of that having come out of a certain kind of Protestant Christianity has a certain sort of ethos to it over time. And that leads to stuff like, you know, eventually things like Stephen Covey in some ways. Definitely, definitely things like, uh, who's the man with the large face? Uh, the uh, uh, Tony Robbins. <laughs> that could be anyone. Lurch. Yeah, so the Tony <laughs> Robbins stuff, Zig Ziglar, that kind of stuff. That all, that Zig Ziglar is a person. My mother had two of his books. He's, he's the guy who invented the round to it. You ever seen the round to it? I'll get around to him. Yeah, you sure will. Here's mm -hmm. your round to it. Mm -hmm. That'll be $10, please. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm Zig Ziglar. Hi. Hey, um, could you tell me about something you like? I would love to tell you about Teamistry. Teamistry. This is another situation where you get a podcast advertising on a podcast, but this is a good one, and it's one that I've actually kind of really got into it. Um, Teamistry is a podcast that is different in that it tells the stories of teams who work together in new and unexpected ways and achieve remarkable things in the process. So each episode is telling this story and the story will give you practical lessons for your team, for your business. And in this season, the show has some really cool topics, um, stories that entertain packed with business cases that you can actually use. This is season two of Teamistry, and it's done by the person who directed Blackfish. So you already kind of get that feel that like this is going to be a little bit different. I mean, one of the stories that I've talked about here before, but it's a really cool one. It tells the story of how People traveled into these deep underwater caves in northern Thailand to discover how divers and medics and soldiers and volunteers freed a group of trapped teenagers. I told you that real cool story about Seiko's dueling factories. Uh, I told you about how they're trying to use artificial intelligence combined with computer vision to speed population analysis that gives new insights to help fight extinction. Like, it's really cool stuff that really makes you think. Um, and I, I've been really enjoying it and learning a lot from it. Um, you can find out more about Teamistry, which is spelled T-E-A-M-I-S-T-R-Y, just by going to your favorite podcast podcast or podcast. I'm going to start calling yeah, them wherever you get your now. podcasts. Mm -hmm. Wherever you get your podcasts, go there and type Teamistry in. You'll mm -hmm. find it. And that's the best way to uh, to check it out. We don't have any other special links that I can read, but if you're looking at the show notes, there's a link there that will give us a little bit of credit for referring you to the show. But don't worry about that. Just search Would for Teamistry. Would you please just give us some credit? Would you do give that us for us? credit. But just go Teamistry. find Teamistry and give it a listen. And, uh, we Blackfish, sure do you go tie it. caves. What is, what's the holdup? What is the holdup? What's the holdup, Dan? So go check it out. Give, give it to him one more time. I don't know what's wrong with these people. Where, where are they going to go for this? Any Teamistry. any podcast application or service that they like, type in Teamistry, T-E-A-M-I-S-T-R-Y, and go check it out. Thanks very much to them for making the show possible. Boom. <laughs> Thank you, Teamistry, Buck Buck. You know what would be fun would be uh, to do a, a, 
uh, <laughs> an audio show in French about apples. It's called the Poem Cast. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh boy, that was a long walk off a short golf course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, I wish we—I you know—I wish we had time to talk about uh, holidays and traditions. Give me some thoughts. I've been rambling a lot. You got any thoughts? Well. About holidays and traditions, or just about? Well, no, 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 no. About, I mean, okay. So, if in retrospect, I feel like what we've been talking about is a certain habit of thinking, or a habit of a, a cyclical um, sort of circle of life for the way that we get from something in our brain to something out being out in the world to yeah. being a thing that has an impact back on our brain. I mean, when we say like. Um, it's weird. Syracuse and I actually talked about this on a recent Reconcilable Differences where we're talking about how I always have these little projects. And I believe that's where we're talking about desire paths. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that here? A but little. that idea that like, watch where people walk, not where we put the sidewalks. The sidewalks are yes. sort of a, a designer's idea of how to move. Right. And desire paths are how people move. And you learn a lot, as with E.O. Wilson's ants, you learn a lot from wa- you know watching those trails. But, you know, that phrase in a rut, I, I believe that that comes from the idea of like being in a, a wagon. Like imagine a Conestoga wagon on, on Deadwood trying to get through mud. And like you're all, you're all, you're, your wheelbase for all of these vehicles is the same. You're all on the same road. So what does that do? Every single wagon that goes through that mud is making that wagon rut deeper and deeper and deeper. And like within a very short period of time, it's going to be difficult to make your wagon go anywhere except where the other wagons have already gone. Right. Even within like a certain range, right? So when we say we're in a rut, I, that's such a, a vivid visualization of that to me. Is like, well, yeah, think of it that way. Like, how do you get your wagon wheel out of that rut? And I feel like not just negative thinking, but whatever habitual cycle you brought to your whole, like, Weltanschauung, however you arrived at that, that's what you have. Now, what are you going to do with that? But when you don't you agree? I mean, yes. whether we're thinking about this in terms of Buddhism or, you know, any of these other, uh, you know, say what you will, at least it's an ethos. <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult to be aware of the cycle, let alone to be able to change it. Absolutely, because, you know, most people are thinking, you know, it would be easy to make the changes. Well, half, maybe more than half of the reason that it's so hard to make any kind of change and stick to it is because you have to really, really become aware of what it is that you're changing. And how do you look at yourself that way? You know, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to get that kind of perspective, especially if it's not something that you're used to doing, You, you know, we think of ourselves as being aware or, or, or self-aware, but a lot of the time we're just, we're really not, you know, we are very much in a, in a situation where we're just kind of going through our day. We're on autopilot, you know, how often have you, I know you don't drive a lot. Uh, maybe it's the same for walking. I don't know, but I know a lot of us, you get in the car and you're like, uh, how did I get to work? How did I get to the office? How did I get to the grocery store? I mean, I, I know I did it and my feet pressed on the pedals and I turned the wheel and hit the turn signal, but like I wasn't really present. Right, for right, that. right. You're zoned out for that time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and so how do you become more present? How do you, because these are, these are the preliminary things. You can't make a change if you don't know what you're changing. You know? Well, yes, exactly. But, you know, it's also that the nature of a cycle is that there's not really, I don't know if there's necessarily any better place to jump into a cycle, but, um, you know, something, let's just, I'm just going to say the words. For the longest time, uh, our president has done very little of any use or consequence about the COVID situation, Mm -hmm. and that's certainly not gotten any better. It's, 
I think, almost inarguably gotten way worse. But one of his you know, greatest hits for the middle period of this was, well, yeah, of course there's all these cases. Why do we have all these cases? We get these cases because we do so much testing, and our testing is so good. Our testing is probably the best in the world, so of course we have more cases. Now, again and again, people who have any sense say, well, that's not accurate. Like, we, we track all those things. We track the number of tests and the number of incidences. And, like, if we get a number that indicates however, however, I mean, the denominator matters. However much we're testing, if if the uh, numerator is going up along with the, you know, that's, that's not great. Like, more tests and more positives, like, that's not because we're testing more. Right. That, but... You could have this uh, some kind of like Fox News brain, where I guess where that makes sense to you, but that's one way to try and get out of that cycle, is to say, so what does that mean in, in your personal life or your professional life? Well, it could be that like, oh, you know, the way that I fixed uh, my problem was that I started doing heroin, or I started cutting myself or something. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can try to have some, you can try to hack that system by saying, um, like, think about the way aspirin works or the way that like. Your aspirin is not actually doing a lot for you physically or medically. It's just blocking the receptors that let your body know it's in pain, right? We need those receptors. You know, we we need to know about pain. Right. <laughs> like to just stop the pain receptors will not make the thing that caused the pain go away. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you got a problem with your pancreas, don't just drink juice. Take it from me. Like it's your pal. Um, but I think that's relevant because we, we sometimes, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is in order to try and sui generis creates some kind of like a positive approach to something that will help us to get successful. We sometimes apply the worst lessons of failure and we end up, we end up, uh, I'm not gonna say doubling down because that's not what it means. We end up making it so much worse for ourselves because we're applying the wrong lessons, the wrong time in the wrong way. Okay. Let's, uh, let's button this up. Alrighty. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.